に上がら関係ねえ<笑> Shall we begin? Into his coming I can do this all day Tear down this wall Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and let me introduce you to the topic and the guest in our today's episode. We are living in the times of cancel culture, and for some, unjust punishment, for some, political correctness. Spectrum of opinions about what cancel culture is is colorful, but it seems that it is certain that there aren't many who fought it off successfully. But our guest uh, today, Wesley Donahue, is there to help those who find themselves in crisis. Author of the book Under Fire, Entrepreneur and Political Operative. Mr. Donahue, are you ready to go genuine, uncensored and unscripted with us today? And hopefully yeah. not cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the key when I'm recording these, man. I'm always scared they're going to try to come after me again because they came after me before. But let's jump into it, brother. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, for me... Uh, Canceling someone is taking away his right to challenge order of things, to challenge politics. And I will quote Obama, one of his rare quotes I like. We do not fight hate speech with censorship. We fight hate speech with more speech. And I think everyone should be held accountable for what they say, but not by canceling them, of course. But what does the term cancel culture mean for you? And how can individuals and brands survive it? Yeah, um... I take a, a, a view of cancel culture in, um, I think it's different than normal political debate or normal crisis communication in that in cancel culture, someone isn't just trying to silence you. They're trying to cancel you from existence and they're trying to punish you. They're trying to do, so they're silencing someone and then there's punishment for their speech. So you might be trying to uh, get them fired from their job. You might be trying to get, uh, if you're a celebrity canceled from a show like Gina Carano canceled from Star Wars, I'm a massive Star Wars, Star Trek geek, right? So I was paying close attention to that. Or um, someone tried to shut down your business. So I think cancel culture takes it from that level of just trying to get someone to shut up to actually trying to punish them, making sure they can't provide for their families, make sure they can't work again. They legitimately want them not just punished once, but punished permanently. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about, right, uh, it's not just, uh, we talked about deplatforming, you know, the, that was the whole thing, and for Trump and for Dave Chappelle, Merit. but it's not just about deplatforming. I mean, it's not okay even to take uh, away someone's Twitter account or anything, but when they come out, when you come after them in many different ways, like you said, it's, it's really, it's really like cruel in some sense, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly cruel. I mean, you know, we like to pay attention to like the celebrities like Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, or Donald Trump. Right now, Kanye West or Ye, obviously that's the big story of the week. But I'm even more, like, I think celebrities put themselves in the line of fire to a certain degree. Like when you become a celebrity, you know they're going to come after you. I'm even more concerned with the folks that aren't celebrities like the small business owner. Or, the, or people just like you and me who might tweet something and then the mob comes after them and tries to get them fired. Like, if you're a police officer, you don't go to work expecting to get canceled that day. If you're a teacher or a restaurant owner, you don't go to work expecting the mob to come after you. If you're Donald Trump, you know, I run political campaigns across the United States, right? All of my candidates expect to get attacked. But the, the guy that just owns the bar on the corner of the neighborhood that guy doesn't go to work expecting it, right? So I'm actually more concerned with, with those folks 
and trying to arm them with the tools to fight back and trying to warn them of what's coming. Because, like, look, man, you can work your entire life to build this business and then just tweet one thing that someone thinks is wrong. It get retweeted 10,000 times and all of a sudden people are coming after your business and protesting your business. And I think that's fair, man. As you say, I think that the accurate word is cruel. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. But when, when, when did this shit start? Because uh, like one, I feel like one day we woke up and everybody started. I mean, Twitter was toxic since I know about it uh, and basic more or less all social media, but Twitter is the dumpster fire. Wait, wait, how did, when did we develop this? Basically, <laughs> do you know even? Yeah, I, I don't think it there. We can't nail down like a day that this started. I mean, I think it started getting progressively worse over really like the past eight, eight to six years is when it started getting really, really bad. You know, we started working for SeaWorld about eight years ago. And I talk a lot about that in the book about how they were one of the first big corporations. And, you know, that was like seven, eight years ago. And we saw it starting getting progressively worse. Um, I talk a lot about how I think it started getting worse as the world started getting better. And let, let me explain what that means. I think it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I think a lot of the world, especially the United States, I think it started getting worse when people had fewer things to worry about. Meaning as the economy started getting better, as everybody had jobs, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you got, you know, basic food and water and shelter and safety. And then you go up to comforts. And once people have those basic comforts, they stop worrying about feeding their family and they start worrying about really dumb shit. And so I mean, I'm a, I'm a welfare kid. I grew up in poverty, almost homeless. Okay. You know, I grew up in a very, uh, very dangerous home. My parents were, were just not good people. They were in, in and out of jail and we had real problems to worry about, like how we were going to provide shelter. When you're, pro when you're worried about how you're going to feed your kids or Vladimir Putin dropping a nuclear bomb on your family or invading your country, you don't worry about what Kanye West said yesterday, right? <laughs> you just don't, when, when you got real shit to worry about, like Russia invading your country, you don't, you don't fucking worry about Kanye West. You start worrying about real problems. You start worrying about dumb shit when you don't have real problems. And I think as, like, you look at the United States right now, like, one of the biggest problems is we can't find people to work because everybody has a good-paying job. Like, yeah. you know, there's not a disease plaguing the world. There's not um, massive poverty. We're not in a depression yet. So people have the basic needs met, so they're, they're worried about real dumb shit. Yeah, basically everything started since the generation, our generation, unfortunately, generation of pussies took over, you know? <laughs> but that's the fact. I, I, I think so. I think so, because if you look at the older generations, they had real-world problems. And yeah. I hate to say it, but it is, you know, I talk a lot about the pussification of America, but I think it actually is, and, you know, you guys are not here. I think it's the pussification of the world. Yeah. And um, we've just become soft, so we worry about real dumb shit. Mm, yeah, uh, that that reminds me, like, uh, one of the influencers, uh, he's actually a businessman, but also political commentator, Andy Frisella. Said something in a manner that you said. He said the the problem with people in America is they don't have a fucking problem. I mean, the, not in the like 
sense. Not everything obviously is perfect, but you know, it's, it's the problems like who cares? You, you are fed, you have a job, you have rights, you have, you know, in the other parts of the world, probably people don't have a lot of parts of the world. People don't have, yeah. you know, those issues to worry about. You know, honestly, man, I, I love Andy Frisella and I worry about it as a father because I got three little boys. Okay. Uh, four, six and eight years old. And I, I grew up everything I have. I've got multiple businesses now. I'm doing very well in life. I, I had to scrap for man. I had to fight for, like I said, you know, both of my parents died from drug addictions. I grew up borderline homeless and on welfare and government housing, grew up in the projects. And now I worry about how do I raise my sons not to be giant pussies, right? I mean, that's a yeah. real world concern. So because they're growing up with so much comfort that they're going to end up growing up as the kind of people that get offended by what Dave Chappelle said. Well, if you're that offended by what a comedian says, something is wrong with your brain. Like Definitely. You, you didn't have to fight for anything in your life. And how do you strike that balance of getting successful, but also raising kids that aren't soft as shit? And that, I worry about it every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I load your, your video, your interview. I don't know what podcast was, but you spoke about people apologizing too much, you know, because basically we apologize every day and we don't mean it. So what is this direction that the world is heading on? Because yeah, what are the values? I don't know, man. I, so I got a chapter. Let, let me talk about the, um, besides the values, let me talk about the apology thing first. I have a whole chapter about whether or not you should apologize. And I do believe there are times that you should apologize. Like, look, Definitely. we're all humans going through a human experience and we're going to fuck up. Like, right. We're unscripted, right? Like, so we can curse. We're, yeah. we're, going to, we're going to fuck up. We're going to say something that's wrong. We're going to do something that's wrong. And if you think you're one of these people that should never have to apologize, then you're just too egotistical because we're all going to do the wrong thing occasionally. And there is a time to apologize. But we should not be apologizing for someone else's thin skin. Like if, like if I say something truly offensive, I'm going to apologize. But I can't be held responsible for you being offended by everything. So I talk a lot about how, like you know, Joe Rogan offered up that apology after that video came out of him dropping all those n words. Well, he apologized because that was authentic to him because he was truly sorry for what he said. And that's a time you should apologize, but you shouldn't apologize like a Dave Chappelle doesn't apologize because he's not sorry. So because he's, he doesn't feel that he's responsible for your thin skin. So um, I think Donald Trump really changed the game too, because Donald Trump isn't necessarily sorry for the things he says. So, you know, in a book, when you get canceled, yeah, you should apologize if you feel truly sorry. But you cannot apologize for someone else's thin skin. You just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Being, uh, you're saying being true to yourself, basically. You know, you... true to yourself, or else apologies don't mean anything anymore. Right? You're just yeah, apologizing yeah. for everything. Therefore, an apology means nothing. You know, you're just you're just offered up the apology because someone said you should apologize. You see it all the time. Apologize, apologize, apologize. You need to apologize. Well, like if you're demanding that I apologize, I'm not truly sorry. I'm just giving you the apology just to get you off my ass. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that about uh, Rogan, what you said, because, uh, uh, but one thing that also pisses me off is 
like when Rogan came out and apologized, it was like it wasn't enough for these people. Like, right. uh, the, you know, you can do, you can run a press release, uh, do a fucking, I don't know, festival of uh, soreness, and I mean, they're still like boycotting you. This, you, you know, we fuck up, like you said, and may you know, we we try to. If you're a good person, you try to make it up. But it seems like these people just sometimes don't want to let you off the hook. <laughs> yeah, it's never going to be enough. That's why you said it a while ago. The apology is authentic to you. So when you apologize to someone, that's for you. That's for you to get it off your chest. Okay, You're not apologizing for someone else because in this cancel culture world, man, I promise you, you saying sorry is never enough. Because we've got to this point where the world is so divisive politically that they don't think uh, what's the best way to say that they're defining your they're defining you and your ethics and your morals by the words you say so if you screw up then you are a bad person like it's not that you said something bad it's that you are a bad person therefore apologizing is never going to make up for you being a bad person does that make sense you're still yeah. a bad person even if you even if you gave me your apology and you're trying to atone for your sins, I guess, you're still a bad person. So it doesn't really matter. We're still going to try to cancel you out of existence. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I think it's not, and, look, and to be look, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. To be fair, we do it to the other side too. Like I think cancel culture is mostly dominated by the liberals and the woke crowd, but they don't hold a monopoly on it. Just because, you know, conservatives still try to do the same thing to liberals all the time. We try to say, oh, um, you're pro-choice, therefore you want to kill babies. You're evil, you want to kill babies. Right? So, you know, we still try to define the person by their political stance or their language. I just think it's this woke culture from the left that's taking it to another level. Yeah, I like what you're saying there, you know. So it's not, it's not only one side, but definitely, you know. People, people, are, everybody's for free speech as long as it's their speech that you are agreeing with. Yeah, I mean, you know, here I am, just an example. I'm sitting here, you know, this is audio, so you can see me on video, but I'm drinking a Starbucks, right? <clears throat> Conservatives are always trying to cancel Starbucks. You know, so... And we don't even have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted. Um, but, you know... Conservatives are always trying to cancel Starbucks for their political opinion, which is why you see like a conservative company here in America called Black Rifle Coffee Company emerge. So conservatives do the same thing. We just we just take a little bit of different tact and we don't typically try to ruin a person's lives, I see. So it's you can you say that politicians actually have some part in this Let's call it social machinery. Cancel culture is because do you or do you think it's just the thing of the social media? No, I think politicians definitely have some blame if that's what you're asking because mm -hmm. um, yeah. politicians control the narrative. Um, you know, I don't know if you heard that Kanye West Lex Friedman interview this week, which was was a great one. But you know, if you haven't listened to it, you should. But Kanye was talking about how. He and Elon Musk and a few others control this, the narrative. And I think, I think a lot of politicians have that same impact. Not all of them, but like a Donald Trump or a Joe Biden or an AOC. And there are certain politicians that are like Kanye or like Elon Musk 
who can control the social narrative, therefore control who's getting canceled and, and who's not. But really, to go back to the premise of your question, politicians aren't just what's political anymore. What's happened is everybody is now political. So Kanye, Elon Musk, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, even down, even you take the the mid-level influencers like an Andy Frisella, everybody now is a politician, even though they're not running for office. And you see it also with, uh, I saw a big study out last, or two weeks ago, that said that the majority of Americans now expect corporations to take a political stance. So now corporations are now politicians, even if they're not running for office. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, we understand. Our society here is in Montenegro is deeply political. Companies, individuals, two of us, everybody. Yeah. And, so uh, now everybody and everything is the politician. Where it used to be yeah. the definition of a politician is someone who runs for office. You're seeing the definition of politician redefined because those people have to take political pu or public political stances. Yeah. And I, I got to say, uh, because we are, I think the entire world is basically a fan of American media entertainment and it's fucking up your entertainment really bad <laughs> like the movies today all try to say something to you and especially for us that we are not we're you know we, we are not americans even though we follow deeply what happens in america like i don't give a fuck if w what the sexuality of the character is and what his political thing is and like you know i just want to enjoy the movie yeah, I mean, dude, like, so, you know, I'm a big Star Trek fan, like, massive. I'm a massive Trekkie, and you can't even watch Star Trek these days without shoving a political agenda down your throat. Hell, they even had, I don't know how much you pay attention to American politics, but Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor of uh, Georgia, they had her on Star Trek as the president of Earth. I mean, they're constantly trying to shove this shit down your throat. <laughs> well, we're just trying to shove it down your throat. Uh, you know, and I can't even let my kids watch a Pixar movie these days without them shoving it down your throats. And I just wish, you know, Hollywood's dominated by liberals. I get it. But as this big comic book fan, Marvel fan, DC fan, Star Trek fan, Star Wars fan, I can't even enjoy the things I love without them shoving a liberal agenda down my throat. Yeah, you, you should hear our, our interview with Asad Ribic. You know, he's an artist from Marvel Comics and he, he's, he had some interesting thoughts about Oak... Uh, uh, movement and canceling culture and everything basically sorry go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt no no uh, i was gonna say like i'll give you an example of two things i really love star wars and comic books star wars gina carano got canceled from the mandalorian and she was going to have her own show right uh, the the rangers of the uh the ranger something okay they literally fired her from star wars for tweeting some conservative yeah. thing okay then on this side, um, you've got Ezra Miller, who plays the Flash and the DC stuff. The new Flash movie's coming out. He's transgender, okay, and um, one of the most woke celebrities in Hollywood. Yet he was literally, uh, he was arrested four times for abuse, uh, for getting in fights in bars. He was grooming teenage girls to the point they had to put him in a mental hospital. Yet they never canceled him. And he's still the Flash. So over here, you've got Gina Carano, who just said some things, just just tweeted some things, and she gets fired. Ezra Miller literally hospitaling people, putting people in the hospital, 
from bar fight and grooming teenage girls. Yet he's not cute. Disgusting. It's disgusting. It's the hypocrisy of it. You can say something and get canceled, but you can literally be violent and that's okay. How does that make any sense? And his Flash movie is going to be totally suck. It's it's going to be a catastrophe. The Flash is my favorite comic book uh, hero growing up. So I'm a big fan of The Flash and I hate him. Yeah, I, I hate to see what what's going on with that, and it probably will suck. Yeah, fortunately. <laughs> yeah, but not a flash. I mean, you know, um, Harry Potter uh, universe, right? He was yeah. the star in the last two Harry Potter movies, the the Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, he's not fired from the Harry Potter stuff, but look what they're doing with um, John in that, for example. Right, but J.K. Rowling can get canceled. For just saying some things, yet they keep Ezra Miller in the movies, despite the fact that he's going nuts and hurting people. Yeah, we had similar situation with James Gunn when he was fired from Marvel for tweets, and I mean, that's nuts. Oh, I, I do, you know, to get off subject, I just love the fact that James Gunn was announced ahead of God yeah. DC Universe now. So they came after him, and they tried to cancel him, and now he's so awesome that he is in both the Marvel and the DC yeah. Universe. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I love the James Gunn story. Yeah, that's the return. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we were speaking about analyzing it right now, but uh, truly, how do, what are the, like, many steps to fight it off, the, 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 be getting canceled? Uh, I think the first step is that we have to stop being so scared and we have to take the stances like Gina Carano. The, the, I think that if we had, thousands of her people that was said fuck it come after me punish me if you want to punish me i think if we have enough people acting like that and stopping um and stopping being so afraid it's just we have something to lose and that's that's the difference the cancel culture folks the mob comes after people who have something to lose therefore we get scared and we cower into our corners the mob came after me. I have a brewery. Besides being a political consultant, I have a brewery. And I tweeted something three years ago. It was during an abortion fight uh, uh, in Alabama. And I was tweeting out some pro-life comments. And a bunch of women came after me and said, you're a man. You don't get an opinion on abortion. Well, I tweeted back, well, for the remainder of the day, I'm going to self-identify as a woman so that I can have an opinion. <laughs> they came after me hard, man. They came after me hard. Uh, they got the uh, the gay members of my staff to organize a walkout. They were protesting in front of the brewery. I was on the local uh, the front page of the local newspaper for three days in a row, but I never apologized publicly. Never, ever. And I still haven't apologized publicly. I think we need more people who are willing to stand up and, and say, hey, fuck it. This is what I believe. Or this was just a joke. I'm not going to apologize to you just because you're offended by this. That's the first step. There's a lot more steps, but that's the first step, man. We gotta have more we gotta have more people with balls. Like the Andy Forsellas of the world or the Joe Rogans of the world or the Gina Caranos that say, fuck it, this is what I believe, come after me. Or the Donald Trumps. And I can't say I agreed with everything Donald Trump said, but I appreciate the courage to not back down. Yeah, I think I think that's the like you know from outside that watching uh, the, the American politics. That that's why a lot of people like him. You know, as much as he says things maybe you don't agree, he never backs down from them. It's him, hundred percent, and that's about it. 
Well, that doesn't mean that you should just go around being a dickhead all the time. Right? Like, Obviously. Be, be, a, be a good human being. That, that's the difference. Like, people think that saying what's on your mind means that you got to be a bad person. Be a great person. Have sympathy for people. Have empathy for people. You know, show love. I mean, I, I just believe that you need to love everybody you can and spread as much love as possible. Be a good person. But don't back down when these people come after you. You could be a good person and be hard at the same time. And I think people forget that. Like, you don't have to be a giant pussy just to love everybody. Love everybody and have empathy and sympathy and give, be charitable. Just be a great person, but stand hardcore on your beliefs and don't back down. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me this. Uh, is this thing temporary or, you know, is it going to say? I think, and I hate to say this, the only thing that can stop this is if we get into a bad spot. It goes back to what I said earlier. You know, you're going there. <laughs> look, we're heading, we're heading into a recession here in America, which will probably impact the entire globe. Yeah. And a madman threatening nuclear war, which let's pray to God that that doesn't happen. But if things continue to progress on its current path, I think this is going to naturally die out because I think people are going to have real world problems to worry about. Nobody's going to give a shit about what Kanye West said when they can't feed their family. And it's it, it's that simple, man. But it sucks that it's going to have to come to that. Yeah. And let's speak about your book. It's called Under Fire, 13 Rules. And yeah, Under Fire, 13 Rules for Surviving Cancel Culture. Uh, it takes lessons from my my life, uh, the political campaigns I've run, and my SeaWorld story of how we helped save SeaWorld over five years. Breaks it down into 13 rules, and it talks about how you can apply each rule to your your life. Yeah, so it's based on personal experience, and that's great. I love that because people basically talk about the stuff they never experienced, they never did. Yeah, these days, yeah, like book to make you millionaires, and, and they don't have, I don't know, a pack. In their, yeah. in their, uh, yeah. dude, I, you and I could talk about that for two hours, man. I hate that. He's in with all lines. It's like be like me. You can get six pack abs and you know become a yeah. Bitcoin millionaire and yada yada yada. Oh man, this is all from just my life. When I got canceled, when we saved SeaWorld, we've helped number of U.S. senators, congressmen, governors. This is this is just from my experience being in politics. I'm 42 since I was 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a long experience. <laughs> yeah. More than I have. Yeah. This, well, uh, and you, you know, you can find it on Amazon. You know, BarnesandNoble.com. All the places you buy books, man. But I think I really wanted to talk about how. It can help normal people. Like yeah. again, we talk about the Dave Chappelle's, the Joe Rogans, and the Kanye's. But man, you've got a lot of teachers, firefighters, cops, business owners, a lot of just normal people like us, uh, podcasters. You know, just a lot of normal people getting canceled. And I think that sucks. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I saw. I think it was in Canada. Like some uh, some transgender teacher. Parents went after it because they didn't want it uh, teaching their kids. And, you know, the backlash was like huge. Everybody's transphobic and this. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I say about, like, you're transgender. I don't give a shit, man. Like, that's on you. That's your business. I, I just don't care. But there's a difference in being transgender than trying to indoctrinate our kids. And what you see happening right now about dragging kids to drag queen shows and uh, teaching kids 
early on, like when they're six years old, that you could be a boy or a girl. The indoctrination of our children, man, that's the big, that's a massive, massive problem right now. But look, that doesn't mean every transgender teacher tries to indoctrinate our kid. So let's be good to people. Let's love people. Let's accept people for who they are. But once you come after my kids, hey, war's on at that point. It's personal then. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think, and also transgender thing. One, one of the things that that isn't discussed is like I read the uh, I read the um, you know some research was done and that like over fifty percent or something people that have done the surgery uh, ended up regretting it. You know, and you never hear that talk in, in public. You know, like about that. You just hear how you know everybody's transphobic and this, but you never hear the other side of the story. That's right. And look, man. I again. I, I'm a conservative. I believe it's not government's business who you love, who you marry, what you want to call yourself, and what you want to do to your body. If you want, if you're a man and you want to go cut your thing off and and do the whole surgery, or a woman if you want to get the the top surgery, that's your business. I don't care. But you got to wait until you're an adult, until you're old enough to make that decision. The way they're talking about, you know, here in America. Uh, surgeries on 14-year-old. These are children. I mean, you're not ready to make those kind of life-changing decisions when you're 14 years old. Oh, no. So it's the indoctrination of our children that concerns me. Like, I don't care what you want to do to yourself as a child, as an adult, man. That's your business. Leave the children alone. Oh, yeah. Well, we will see effects of that in 20, 30 years. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be scary because you're right because... Those decisions, people are going to regret it, man. But and you're going to like whether it's the COVID stuff or it's the transgender stuff, you're going to see a lot of impact here 20 years from now. People are going to look back at this time and say, "Why did we do that?" Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have one more question. What's the yeah. message be, be, uh, behind the cap? Pain. Oh, pain. Um, this is. I'm a big endurance athlete, man. Uh, run a lot of marathons, Ironman ultra marathons i'm sitting here with a broken foot right now from trying to run 100 miles really? so uh, so i i go those to you yeah pain this is one of my marathon hats i just believe that um actually chapter one of my book is all about the people that survive cancel culture and crisis are the people that have developed mental toughness like andy frisella talks about how you know david goggins i'm sure y'all followed talks about callousing the mind stay hard i believe yeah stay hard I believe that by putting yourself through hard things that you can develop that mental toughness and be able to survive crisis and cancel culture a lot more. So, um, you know, I just I, I just went to the gym. I hadn't even got a shower yet, man, so I'm still wearing my gym cap. But I just believe that pain makes you better. I really do. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I have one message for the for the cancelers, that they need more George Carlin's in their life. But yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. But we have the other message, and... We have this little tradition. We have the quote in Montenegrin language and translated to English for our listeners, for you. So Luca prepared something. Yeah. Uh, I prepared a quote from uh, our great director, uh, Živo Konikolic, and he said uh, about truth and uh, beauty. In our language it says, Otkrivati istinu, to je u neku ruku dodirnuti ljepotu. Uh, in English it would translate something like, uh, to discover is tr- to discover truth in some way. It's like touching beauty. Oh man, awesome! I'm gonna write that down. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for sharing your opinion with us. 
and hopefully not get us canceled. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you having me, man. Can't wait to hear this podcast. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me that you had me on. Yeah, yeah. as well. So, everybody stay cool. Cool. We stay genuine, uncensored, and unscripted, and we always will, as we have to order our usual. Share us, subscribe us, and stay tuned until the next Wednesday. Iguzo!